On today's show, Serge Ibaka, we haven't heard that name for a little bit, but he certainly sounded off on his time in Milwaukee with the Athletic Overnights, and uh, he wasn't too impressed with the communication, particularly between himself and Mike Rudinell. So we're going to discuss that, as it has been something that's come up before. Uh, and then, secondly, I was reading a comparison between Wembenyama and Giannis, or Mamu really was asked about the comparison. I just want to go on a little bit of a rant. We don't have to compare every tall, skinny player coming into the NBA to Giannis. It's okay if Giannis is one of a kind. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. find my work over at ESPN. Alongside me, for the first time in a while, we gave him a little off-season break from the Bucks Radio Network. It's Justin Garcia. Uh, we appreciate everyone uh, right through the off-season making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day. And if you are an everydayer and you're listening to all the off-season content, you would have heard or seen three straight podcasts with the athletic Sam Vecini, who is uh, one of the absolute draft experts across the world. And he gave us all the information we needed to know about Marjan Bochamp heading into year two, Andre Jackson Jr. And by the way, if you haven't listened to that podcast and you want to get a little bit excited about Andre Jackson Jr., I'm not sure you could find a bigger fan than Sam Vecini. So there was plenty of hype there on that podcast. So go back and check out those pods. But we appreciate all the support. And if you haven't done so yet, drop a comment, a like, uh, ratings, review, all those things. It helps uh, us very much. It's free to do. And it uh, obviously helps keep the show free as well, which is... Uh, which is what we always try to do here at Locked On uh, Bucks. So check out those podcasts and get involved in the show. Yesterday, we also discussed the never-ending topic about Damian Lillard and could he end up on the Bucks, and there was some trade machine stuff there. So it was perfect off-season content. Uh, Justin, speaking of perfect off-season content, I hadn't thought about Serge Ibaka for a while. He parted ways with the Milwaukee Bucks back in January, and uh, I think it was you know, publicized at that time that, uh, he wasn't, uh, he was looking for more, maybe a different opportunity. We'll just say that. We didn't really know the true reasons behind this. And maybe you can explain uh, what Serge Ibaka said to Sham Sharania of The Athletic this morning. But it's fair to say he doesn't seem too pleased with how it all panned out. Um, yeah, so the Cliff Notes uh, version of of Serge's uh, interview with Shams was basically any outsider, what, what we all saw, you know, that... Uh, wasn't particularly pleased with his role or playing time. And I think the, the big thing that he kept stressing was uh, communication or lack thereof. So like, I guess if you compartmentalize it, I get all that. If you're a veteran, I get, uh, Hey, come approach me and tell me what, what my role is. And again, this is one side of the story that we're just going off of, Serge Ibaka's recount of, of his experience in Milwaukee. So assuming everything he, he had to say to Shams is, is accurate, I, I get where you can be frustrated, especially for a guy that knows he's in the twilight of his career and, and would still like to play and contribute to a winning team. Um, 
my I, I guess struggle with it not to to be a Bucks homer and, and take the side of the franchise. Uh, but my struggle with it was, I guess, number one, what did you expect? I mean, I think we all kind of were scratching our heads when Serge Ibaka decided to re-sign with the Bucks after the way that uh, first half season ended. We thought he'd be gone, and, and especially with Brooke Lopez back, and as we saw last year, better than ever. But with Brooke and Bobby and Giannis, you knew looking across the roster, there's not going to be a lot of minutes here for Serge Ibaka. So to me, that was the most surprising uh, thing of him re-signing with the Bucks, So I get what he said with his frustration, but it's also, well, you're the one that chose to come back there. And he himself admitted, I knew I wasn't going to play a lot. And I was told it would basically have to be an injury that would, uh, that would open up some playing time for me. So uh, it's, it's tough where uh, on the one hand you get the frustration for a guy that is, as I've said a couple of times is, is uh, close to the finish line, but also, you could have gone somewhere else or you, you could have tried to find a place where, you know, you're going to play more than just I'm the breaking case of emergency guy. Yeah. I thought it was all fascinating and particularly because, and you can go back and watch the clip. You can find it on social media there with uh, on Shams's uh, Twitter and whatever else uh, social media he's on, or you can probably find it on the athletic website. I'm sure, but it, it is a lengthy, lengthy answer of him detailing the frustrations, particularly with the communication side of things. And quite honestly, he didn't need to give an answer that long, but he really wanted to, it seems like, get this off his chest. Uh, You pointed to the fact that he said Bud straight up told him, look, we don't know what the opportunity is going to be like. There might be a chance at some point in the year. Uh, You also referenced the fact that we did podcasts saying, I don't understand why Serge Barker's back. I think he seems like a, a, a nice guy. He said he got along with all his teammates. So... I think it was a cool signing, like a veteran signing at the back end of the roster. But I don't think anyone went into the season thinking that even with injuries, I was not sure that there was going to be a major impactful role there for him. As teammates on his cooking show. So there was clearly that relationship. I mean, he there. seems awesome. Honestly, I like him a lot. He, he but does. I, I just uh, was a little confused by this. Well, and I think I remember uh, us talking about this and uh, you and Frank talking about it too. Last year when it happened of, you know, we kind of joked about Serge Ibaka recently, like, okay, yeah. fine. But it really does uh, seem like, and, and this is, you know, the this is the thing that can occur quite a bit as, as much as we talk about uh, being on the same page. And I do think Bud and John Horst have been on the same page for most of their tenure together uh, in Milwaukee with the Bucks. But the importance of that, uh, to go back to the word communication, and just that that single plan and being on the same page that even at the time Serge Ibaka signed, it, it kind of seemed like as an outsider, you viewed it and you said, okay, I don't really get it other than this is a guy they can package and trade at the trade deadline, which we eventually saw come to fruition, granted, after Serge Ibaka just stepped away from the team for a little bit. He also did reference the idea, and again, I said he said that his relationships with the players was was great. Uh, and he said, look, Brook Lopez had the best season he's had in six years. Giannis is there. Bobby Portis is there. And I think even if I look back at the games played, I mean, Brook Lopez missed four games for the entire season. And a couple of them were at the very, very end of the year when Serge Ibaka was long gone. Bobby Portis himself played 70 games. Now, we understand Giannis missed some time. But when I went back and looked at the game log, Barker played 
most of his minutes and most of his appearances came at the very start of the season. I had to remind myself of that. But there was four times where he played 14-plus minutes on the season. And in two of those four games, Giannis wasn't there. So, of course, it does make sense that he would come into the lineup. So, yeah, I think it's uh, entirely reasonable. And I always say this for a guy like him that is a veteran and wants to play. I think that, yeah, I get it. I I totally understand why there would be frustration, particularly if he thinks he's still got some time uh, left in the tank in his career. And we'll see what ends up happening with him uh, this season. So it makes sense to me, but it's a little bit like Robin Lopez this year. Now, maybe Robin Lopez is more suited to this role because he actually hasn't played a lot over the last few years as well. And I'm sure he's not walking in with these major expectations. But when you talk about communication, particularly for a veteran player, I want to ask you about this idea of basically Serge saying that he wasn't thrilled with Bud. Because we have heard this, as you referenced, with Jay Crowder. And I just kind of want to get into the idea for these veteran players that are on the back end of the the roster and the expectations are low to play. How much do they need to be told on, on a nightly basis? I'm just curious about that idea because he did reference Ty Lu. So I want to get to that in just a little bit more chat about big picture Mike Budenholzer and maybe now what to expect from Adrian Griffin. Then we'll get to some Wemben Yama and Yana stuff to finish off this show. But first, I bought a sponsor of today's podcast. It's officially summer, although we're running out of time, people. But uh, new season means new clothes. But it, uh, but your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make those purchases. Now you can also watch your cash back grow with each purchase and you can do that with Ibotta. So it's not just with clothes though, it's with groceries and a bunch of different retail items as well. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, maybe some jeans, a t-shirt, whatever it may be. Ibotta, it's just free cash. It's beautiful. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back and you can cash out straight to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards as well. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners 5 bucks just for trying and uh, using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code Continuing the conversation with communication, Mike Budenholzer, Serge Barker, Jay Crowder, and everything that went down with the Bucks. Uh, so I think it is fascinating because he referenced the idea, uh, he being Serge Barker, that uh, when he was with the Clippers, Ty Lue was constantly suggesting, oh, we're going to play the young guys this week, or this is going to happen. You might not get a run. And he seemed to insinuate that that was the type of thing he was looking for. And he probably in his own mind, said that he wasn't expecting to play. But then he wasn't happy when he didn't play and the times he didn't play. I'm not sure. It's all a little bit confusing. But Jay Crowder also said that he wasn't sure what his role was on the Bucks team. Maybe the communication wasn't there as well. So I guess more big picture in this day and age, we know guys like to be communicated with a lot more. And maybe Mike Budenholz is a little old school in that regard. We've definitely heard over the years that some San Antonio Spurs players with Popovich, maybe the communication is is not constant there as well. So it feels a little bit old school, but I don't really mind it. Like I don't, I don't know. Certain guys probably need certain things, but I would have thought a veteran of that period in the league maybe would have uh, been able to handle that a little bit better. Yeah, I um, I, I don't have a huge problem with it, especially with a, a veteran guy and, and somebody that's been in the league as long as 
uh, Serge Ibaka has and, and played for a number of coaches and been in a handful of different systems that with guys with that pedigree, you, you would think this shouldn't be as much of a problem. Um, for me, it's more about developing the young guys and the communication with them and setting the expectations and mm. what we need from you. If, if we're sending you to the G league and you're going to be playing for the herd and the reps that you get in games, here's the things that we're going to be looking for. Uh, and we did hear a decent amount of that early in, uh, in Bud's tenure here, I think with Dante especially, but you think about the, 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 the contrasting styles where we heard some of that with Dante's upbringing, you heard similar things too, although it didn't work out with Christian Wood that you would hear over and over, Hey, they're telling me and uh, we're telling him it's great that you put up a 40, 20 stat line and everything that he was doing in the G league. That's not what we're ever going to ask you to do up here. So these are the things we want you to work on. And he clearly didn't. And we saw it didn't work out here. So I don't think it's like, well, Bud's just a terrible communicator and um, and doesn't send this message to all of these guys. I, I think it's definitely the case that there are some that maybe the communication wasn't that great. But I do also think a part of that is, you know, that group was so tight knit because most of them were there the entire time. When you think about Pat Connaughton and, and Bobby Portis a year later to the party, but Brooke and Giannis and Chris and uh, Drew, what, two years in as well. But most of that group played together four years or more. And Bud was there that entire time that there's just this close knit. A lot of times you can communicate without actually communicating that, you know, what the other one is expecting and vice versa. So I, I think that kind of played a role as well, where it's tougher to make that adjustment when you're used to some of those second nature things. And, you know, this guy gets the system and this guy understands maybe this isn't going to happen or this is. And Serge Ibaka is new and Serge Ibaka hasn't been around those guys. So he didn't have um, those, I guess, natural instincts or, or that connection with the guys that maybe would have offset uh, some of that, not to say that Bud or whoever it was that that was or was not communicating all of this to Serge and Serge himself, not to say that none of those parties were at blame. But I do think that's a big part of it as well, that this group was was just together for so long that a lot of times you don't need quite as much communication when that's the, the case. And I think it's an interesting conversation to have, particularly when you look at the Bucks roster now. And I would say, and this is completely from the outside, I would say that to your point, I think the younger guys perhaps need that communication, maybe that little bit extra love a little bit more as they're trying to navigate their way uh, through the, the early years of their NBA career. But also maybe I'm just under appreciating the idea that when you've got someone like Serge Ibaka, who's done so much in the league, maybe he feels that there is a level of respect that that's why the communication would be there. But I think it opens up the the conversation about the challenges you have when you are a contending team and you're trying to attract veteran players to your club. Now, sure, some of them might just want to be there because it's a contender, but a lot of these guys, naturally, because they've been such good players in the league, they have that ego, they have that confidence, and they want to be out there and still play. So maybe that's where it gets a little bit challenging. But if you look at this year's roster, because I'm seeing a lot of people discuss, well, well, Bud sucks. This is why he wasn't a players coach. Now we've got Adrian Griffin. He's going to show you what's up. But that's also take a look at the roster and understand that those veterans aren't there at the back. You're not going to have that problem with Robin Lopez. We we already know that. And we then you've got, and, and then you've got AJ Green, Chris Livingston, Andre Jackson Jr., obviously Marjan Bochamp, 
that are in that sort of back end of the rotation and they're all young guys in year one or year two. And that's a completely different dynamic. The roster has shifted completely. Well, and I think that uh, Bud sucked crowd is, is going to take this um, not as I intended to come across, but Bud is also, I don't mean this as a knock or an insult. Bud's not a coach that develops young guys, you know, like point to, Oh, not just my Milwaukee. Goodness. Not just, not just Why Milwaukee. Have to say that. That's not what he's known for. I should say it's not like Bud. Just I don't care about developing young guys. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. And I'm already digging a deeper hole here. But the point <laughs> is, Bud's a guy that installs systems and he advances mm-hmm. you. He's not necessarily saying, okay, I'm going to take this young guy that hasn't been in the league my project is working on him and and turning him into an all-star. You can point out what he did to Giannis. Giannis was already rapidly developing. And as much as his credit as we may not want to give him, Jason Kidd deserves a a lot of that credit for helping develop Giannis, not solely developing him. Um, But, but Bud took him from point B to point C. Bud is a floor raiser. He brings in these systems. He makes your team better but his strength isn't really individual talent and growth. And again, that's not a bad thing, but I think that's why the the shift that they made in this coaching change was so important because of the roster, the way it's constructed, as you pointed to with, we got a handful of young guys that you're excited to see develop. Now you need a guy that's going to be good with developing young talent, but also the one thing that we started to hear hints of more and more, Last year, what, around the All-Star break, I think Bobby was the one that really put the most words to it near the end of the season. But you started to hear about this kind of, not even tonal shift, but but just this, well, we missed having Darvin Ham because he was a former player and he could relate to us better. And I, I don't think it means Bud isn't a player's coach. He's very much a player's coach, I would say. When you, you hear of the way that Drew Holiday, when he joined the team, raved about everything that Bud did to help out his players. But it is different to have somebody not just coaching. Think about your day-to-day life and jobs, too. Somebody that's been in that seat that you're in that can say, hey, I remember when this happened to me. Here's how you get out of this. Or I remember coming across this and just being that extra guidance there that Bud, through no fault of his own, couldn't be. He wasn't an NBA player. And you heard repeatedly, not just Bobby, but a few guys point to Darvin Ham. And we saw it firsthand, too, all those years that Darvin was in Milwaukee. And when he came back with the Lakers, the reception that he got as well, his players loved him because they could relate to him. And he could be the bad cop a lot of times without losing players because of that relationship and because they knew where he was coming from. And that's where you need a guy like an Adrian Griffin that that also probably knows if I was this guy, I would maybe be having some of those feelings. So I should probably go sit on the end of the bench and talk to Serge and tell him, hey, it's probably not going to be for a couple more games. And here's why that that's just kind of second nature that you were a player. You've been in the league this long that you kind of know, hey, this is kind of how I have to relate to players. Again, it all of it sounds like it's let's beg on Bud and let's pile on and say, well, he wasn't a player's coach and he doesn't develop guys. And that's not the intention here. He was good at what he did, but now the Bucks are moved in a different direction. And Adrian Griffin checks all those boxes that you would point to to say, hey, we want a guy that can relate to players. We want a former player, and we want somebody that's going to help some of these young players grow. Those are all his strengths. 
you have one week away from the pod and you come back and all of a sudden you're significantly more controversial than you were before you left. And let me just say this, for Mike Budenholzer, I want him to have another job, hopefully next year. We'll see. I'm sure he's going to be a coach in demand uh, down the line. And my first theory would be that it would be a contending team if there's a change that would want him to be there. Uh, But maybe he goes to a younger team and he proves you all wrong and lifts every single one of those young players to all-star caliber and uh, takes takes the Oklahoma City Thunder to the NBA Finals. That's the storyline I'm looking for next with Mike Budenholzer. And uh, I'll I'll wrap up my time. Well, hopefully I've got a few years left in life, but I'll wrap up my time here uh, as a a Mike Budenholzer defender. There's no doubt about that. Uh, And look, I am as well. It's just... (laughs) whatever it's we got it we yeah we we got you we got you and next uh i'm gonna get a little fired up justin about Giannis and Wembenyama and comparisons and sometimes you just don't need to compare players we'll get to that next okay justin i was scrolling through twitter this morning or x i uh, believe is uh, what i'm supposed to call it and there was uh our friends over at locked on spurs that's uh, the host over there uh, shared a story from his, uh, his local TV channel, I believe. But there was an interview with Sandro Mamu Kalashvili, an old friend of ours, and we love uh, Mamu, of course. Uh, Mamu spoke with Basket News about Victor Wembenyama, and is he seeing similarities between him and Giannis? And now, this is where I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Why are we doing this? I mean, Mamu answered it, and he said, you can say that as he's very long and athletic. Yeah, well said, Mamu. So this is my whole point. I am going to be watching as much as I can. I'll try and watch every single game of Vic because I think he's going to be awesome and I just can't wait to see, hopefully, him go absolutely crazy. I think it's so fun. It's outrageous what he can do with the ball. And I'm not professing to be an expert about how Wembenyama plays the game. But if I compare those two, even when they were younger... First of all, when they were coming into the league, Giannis was uh, about seven inches smaller than, than Vic is right now, and he was still growing. And I hope Victor Wembenyama is not still growing because he'll be eight foot in a couple of months' time. But they're different players. Giannis has always been a force of nature, physical. He'll get to the basket. Wembenyama, a lot of perimeter stuff, certainly uh, in his time over in France. And, and we'll see what he's able to do when he gets to the NBA. But I see it all the time with draft coverage, and you're like, well, he player comparison could be Giannis and it's like no 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 he's just tall and skinny and not every tall and skinny player is going to be compared to a two-time MVP and a generational player in Giannis so I just always look at these comparisons with Giannis I'm like can we just be a little bit more realistic and it feels lazy to me and it's just because they're tall and skinny what are we doing Justin um I'm surprised to honestly it it took this long for a uh, a Giannis comp to uh, for Wembenyama that uh, we're what on well I mean two months month and a half since he's been drafted but a, a year and a half since he's really been in the spotlight so good job by all of us in the media oh. that it, it took this long to to grab the low hanging fruit and say could he be the next Giannis um, and it's funny too with um, you. You, so you listened to it or saw the interview. I saw the quotes from it. It's funny when you see the headlines that make it sound like uh, Mamu is just raving about, well, yeah, I know. he's a generational. Yeah. And then you go and read what he actually said, where he's very reserved. Like, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, I see the comps. And yeah, if, if he pans out, he's going to be great. 
Well, it's one of the we've all been there before. So yeah. it's a it's a question that uh, it, Australian media you see it all the time with Australian basketball players. Uh, I pride myself on uh, not asking this question, but uh, they will ask Australian NBA players. Oh, Josh Giddy, do you think that there should uh, be a, an NBA game in Australia one day? So it's like there's only one thing he can possibly say. Yeah, of course, it would be great. And this is like the question if you're asking Mamu and, and he's sitting in front of you and you go, oh, when you played with Giannis, now you're playing with Victor, there's some comparisons, right? And then he has Some to ladies. say, yeah, they're sure. tall and, yeah. you know, like tall and long. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those questions where that's the only answer you can give. I agree with you. I thought Mamu was uh, <laughs> incredibly reserved with the way he answered it, probably for two reasons. We know he's got great respect for Giannis. And secondly to that, he probably he's not looking to, <laughs> to put this on his new team. <laughs> to get dunked on again by Giannis. Uh, and by the way, too, um, Mamu, I guess, is another name that we, we should have mentioned in the yeah, right. Serge Ibaka part of the conversation, too, of, well, let's let's give him some minutes and, and continue to develop him. We kind of know what Serge is. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate that it didn't work out here because of the numbers crunch. But, uh, but yeah, Mamu doesn't want to put any bulletin board material <laughs> out there, especially when Giannis is probably yeah, right. uh, looking for more and more fuel coming into the season after the way last year ended. So, Anything he can do to avoid getting dunked on by Giannis and, and driving him even further is, is what he's going to do. Anyway, a little bit protective of Giannis. That's what we like to do over here on uh, Locked on Bucks. But also, as I said, I love Wemby, love Mamu. Just a funny little story that it's it's something that always uh, intrigues me. Again, looking at draft coverage on draft night and those types of things where it's like every player's comparison is like a hall of fame a legend of the game and it's like oh we can chill a little bit we don't need to uh we don't need to go down that path but let me know what you think about people comparing other players to Giannis and of course the big one here communication between players and coaches have you got any thoughts or theories on everything whether it's Serge Barker, Jay Crowder of course who we think is going to play a pretty important role on this Bucks team as well so uh, interesting bit of Bucks news to drop in uh, early August we love that when we get some content here for Locked on Bucks we'll be back next week uh, there will be plenty to discuss. We know that. And uh, the build-up continues to the FIBA World Cup. Bobby Portis with Team USA. Giannis, I'm still thinking he's not going to play, but we'll keep uh, keep you all up to date if there's any news that drops and try and get an inside look at Team Greece at some point there. So appreciate you supporting the show. Have a nice weekend. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>